church. We uh, appreciate you all so much. My name is Pastor Berta, one of the pastors here on staff. At this time, we like to open up always with the testimonies. We're going to call up our brother Ulysses. He's going to come on up. Let's give him a hand. Hello, everyone. just want to open up with a scripture here before I go on with the testimony. Uh, it's in uh, Jeremiah 29:11. It goes like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. You know, this is a pretty common scripture, but it's, it's awesome, you know, just how the Lord is just declaring that, you know, to his children that he loves, he has a plan for them to prosper and to harm them. And, you know, uh, one plan that, you know, the Lord is, is working in me right now is that um, one day, I, soon, I'll be a husband. I got engaged uh, last month in March, you know. <laughs> It's exciting, you know, and it just reminds me, like, God is so good, you know, like, I've been um, just praying, praying, like, God, like, where's my wife, where's my wife, where she's at, and, you know, God just sent her my way, and it's like, this is it, <laughs> and it's encouraging, you know, that God is so good, he cares for his children, you know, and just encouragement to everyone here, like, you know, the, everyone who's uh, praying for the same thing, like, God will have that special person for you, you know, just stay holy, you know, keep on your purity, because your purity won't even end until you're married, your purity still continues on forward, you know, so uh, we'll just pray, bow our heads, God, we just thank you for this time, Lord, just that uh, we're able to uh, gather together here, God, as, as a body in Christ, Lord, to worship you, God, to praise you, Lord, I just pray, God, that we remember, God, that you love us, that we are your children, and you have plans for us, Lord, not to harm us, but to give us a hope, Lord, and you care for us daily, God, thank you, Jesus, in your name we pray, amen, let's worship. Hallelujah. Come on and clap your hands just like this. Come on. Clap those hands. I was made for, 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 I was made for love. Come on, let's sing this out this morning. I was made. I was made for, I was made for, I was made for, I was made for, I was made for. I was made for love. Come on, sing it again. I was made. I was made for. 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 I was made for love. Come on, sing no one else. No one else can love you like I love you, Lord. Cause I was made unique in your heart. I was made to be.
This morning, own in your own words, if you invite the Lord to come and give you a revelation of who He is. Holy Spirit, come. We desire you. We desire you. We welcome you, Lord. heart is yours.
world has nothing for me. This world has nothing for me. This world has nothing for me. This world has nothing. Sing this out. This world has nothing, nothing for me. This world has nothing for me. This world has nothing for me. Come on, do you believe it, church? This world has nothing for me. This morning, we need you, Lord, with desperate prayers. When we look around, Lord, we see the tragedy, we see the pain.
you this morning, oh God, because you are good. Let's raise our hands all across this room. Come on, we've come to Metro Praise International today to worship our King, to worship our Lord. And that means we need to lift up our voices. We need to raise up our hands and worship the one who saved us, worship the one who rescued us from a life of despair, who rescued us from the flames of hell, and give him the praise and the glory and the honor that is due his name. The Bible says if we don't cry out, the rocks will cry out in our place. And I'm here to tell you, Metro Praise International, that I'm not going to let a rock cry out in my place. I will worship my Jesus. So know in your own words, I want you to lift up your voices. And I want you to tell Jesus how awesome he is. Come on. You don't need words on a screen to worship him. Worship him in spirit and in truth with everything inside of you. Tell him what he's done for you. Thank him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done. The Bible says that we must enter into his gates with singing. Enter into his gates with praise. Into his courts with praise. Come on. You are awesome, oh God. You are glorious. You are beautiful. There is no one like you, Jesus. Oh, nobody compares to you. You are more beautiful than diamonds, 
more precious than gold. Oh, Jesus, we love you. I want to read to you today a passage of scripture in Revelation chapter 1. How many of you guys like visuals? You like to see things, see pictures. I want you to get this visual of Jesus in your mind. Because we're not worshiping an idea of Jesus. We don't worship just for worship's sake out of religiosity. We worship a God. The God of heaven and earth. We worship the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in Revelation chapter 1, in verse 10, this is the Apostle John speaking. He was given visions, a revelation of Jesus Christ and revelation of heaven. A revelation of what was to come in the end times. And he said, on the Lord's day I was in the spirit. And I heard, a, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And he was this voice who was Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus. He said, write down on a scroll what I'm about to tell you and send it to the churches. And then John said, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. And with a golden sash around his chest, the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Close your eyes and imagine that right now. Jesus, eyes like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all of his brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Now I want you to shout, and I want you to praise, and I want you to sing like you mean it today. Come on. Come on, worship him. Open up, close your eyes, lift up your hands. Jesus. Let's sing hallelujah. We're going to sing the tune of hallelujah over and over again. If that's all we have to sing this morning, we're going to sing hallelujah. Come on. Come on, lift up your voices. Be loud this morning. Give a shout of praise. Come on, lift up your voices. 
morning we give you all the great all the glory all the praise that is to your name king of kings and lord of lords we worship you we love you we honor you be exalted in this place be magnified in our praise today oh god have your way today oh lord we give you our hearts we open up our hearts to you we open up our minds to you we say jesus have your way in us, oh God. May we be worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth, oh Lord. I pray that rivers of living water would rise up from within our bellies. The spirit of God would be free to flow in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning as you grab your seats. Hallelujah, Jesus. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise. The ushers will be passing out the elements to communion right now. Today is Communion Sunday. It's the first Sunday of every month. The reason why we partake in communion as the body of Christ every month is so that we remember what Jesus did for us on that cross. Amen. Isn't that awesome? How many of you guys want to remember? the price that Jesus paid for our sin. We do this in remembrance of him. So as they pass out the elements, I'm going to be preaching the gospel to you this morning. Thank you. In Revelation, I'm going to be speaking to you out of the book of Revelation. And this message is for those of you guys who are not right with God today. I encourage you, get right with Jesus today. Be sure of your salvation. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 25 through 27, talking about what it would be, what it's going to be like when we are finally with Jesus for all of eternity. The judgments have passed, the rapture has happened, the thousand-year reign has ended. And now we're gonna be with Jesus in paradise forever and ever. And this is what it's gonna look like. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And I have a very important question to ask you this morning. Do you know if your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life? If you are not sure, then it's probably not there. And the Bible is very clear that this book is real. It is a literal book where God writes the names 
of the people who have been saved, the people who choose Jesus, who are born again of the Spirit. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life, and that is your only guarantee to be in heaven. So I want you to think about your life, especially before we prepare to take communion. The Bible says do not take communion in an unworthy manner. You must be washed clean of your sins, and it's only by the blood of Jesus that that is able to happen. So you must repent. You must turn from your ways and confess Jesus as Lord and trust him to do a work in your life. You don't have to go home and fix the mess. You don't have to go home and rearrange things in your life today, right now. You say, I choose Jesus today, right now. You say, I'm, gonna la- I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for Jesus. So with all eyes closed all across this room, if that is you, and you know you must get right with Jesus, you must accept him as your Lord and Savior and allow his blood to wash you clean. As I begin to pray, I want you to pray with me and say, Jesus, forgive me. I choose you. I want to be born again. I don't want to live my life my own way. I want my name to be written in that Lamb's book of life. Jesus, we need you this morning. You are the only way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by you. And I pray that through your loving kindness, O God, that you will draw men and women to repent today. They would turn from their ways and turn to you and be saved. They will confess you as Lord and master of their life and believe in in their heart that you died and rose again. I ask, O Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. In just a few short minutes during our fellowship time, we're going to have prayer workers up at the front that are going to be here to pray with you. I encourage you, if you pray to prayer to get right with Jesus today, to come and receive prayer from them and find out how you could get plugged into the church so that you could be discipled. Amen. Please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to take communion together. Opa. God is good. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 29, it says, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. And that's why we prayed that prayer. That every person in this room will not be without cannot will be without an excuse before when they face Jesus. So I'm going to pray before we take partake of the wafer together. Lord, I thank you for your body that was beaten, that was bruised, that was whipped, that was pierced for our transgressions. You paid a price, God, that we could never pay. And Jesus, we thank you. We take this wafer in remembrance of what you did, the price that you paid, the suffering that you endured so that we can be in heaven with you for all of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the wafer together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for what you did for us. We will never take it for granted. We will not forget 
And Lord, we lift up this grape juice right now that represents your blood. The blood that was shed, your precious blood that was shed for our sins, for our wickedness. And that makes us white like snow today. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that heals us, that saves us, that sets us free. Let's partake of the grape juice. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and the praise that is due your name. You are worthy of it all, O oh God. You are worthy of it all, Jesus. Come on, in your own words, worship him a little bit right now. Thank him for the body. Thank him for his body. Thank him for the blood that was shed. Jesus, we thank you that, that you took our sins, our sicknesses, and our sorrows, and you nailed them to the cross, and your blood washes over us and keeps us clean. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the chance at new life. We thank you for life everlasting, oh God. We thank you for your peace and your joy and your freedom that is so present in our life today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We worship you, Jesus. The ushers will collect the discard of the elements here. Let's turn our attention to recite the confession of faith. The reason why we do this every week is because this is our Christian worldview. This is the lens in which we see the world around us. It's, got, it's grounded in truth, the truth of the word of God, and we are excited to profess this. Amen? So if you're with me, let's recite this on the count of three together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and create. death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, the living and the dead, the word of believers in Jesus, the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the church Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Spend some time meeting people. Give somebody a hug and a handshake.
church today. I know I'm excited to see all of you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming out to Metro Praise International. On behalf of all of the leaders, we welcome you and we want to encourage you to keep on coming back and invite your friends and family. Our service is here at MPI our every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. It's our family service. So we have King's Kids in the back for all of our children. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m., that's our Elevate Youth Service for students 11 to 18 years old. God is doing awesome things in that ministry. Our vision here at MPI is, I'm sorry, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal here at MPI. Somebody say vision, strategy, and goal. Come on, don't lose your excitement with me. Participate. Our vision is loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And we have a strategy, a strategy to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. Um, the way we want to connect you to the church is through our life groups. Please go to the previous slide. The way we like to connect you to the church is through our life groups. We have leaders that have opened up their homes and their lives to you. That we want to mentor you through the 101 and 201 book. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism. And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Who gets excited when they hear that every week? Come on. Because that's not going to change. Look to your neighbor say, that will not change. So now it's time to get connected. Here are so many different ways that you can connect at MPI throughout the week. If you turn your hand out around, you'll see the schedule that we have for life groups for this whole quarter. So look at it. Find a place to get connected with you and your family. You will not regret it. So here's a snapshot of what's happening, just kicking it off today for the rest of the week. Sunday today, we have our singles, 18 to 35 years old, meeting at 4 p.m. here at the church. We have an awesome group of young men and women of God who are so excited and on fire for Jesus, who want to spend time and hang out and fellowship with you. So if you're single and you're in that age group, meet them out here today. You will not regret it. Then we also have our single moms meeting today. They have child care provided. There's the address. They meet at 530. Tuesday, the Resistance Youth Life Group. Come on. 11 to 18 years old, meeting at the church at 6 p.m. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Youth Life Group. 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. Wednesday, King's Kids. Come on. Give it up for our little ones. Infant to 11 years old here at the church at 6.30 every single week. It's an awesome program. If you have children in that age group, you want them to come here. We have Royal Rangers for boys and Impact for girls. Boys club, girls clubs for Jesus where they're memorizing scripture and going deep into God's word. And they're just having so much fun with all the leaders and each other and just living for Jesus. Then Thursday, we have our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Awesome ministry. If you are in that age group, meet them out there at 7 o'clock. They are rocking it out, preaching the gospel on the streets. And then every week on Friday, we have two Bible studies for you guys. One is at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivid's house. 
18 years and up, 7 p.m., be there on a Friday night. It's awesome. So look to your neighbor and say, it's awesome. Look to your other neighbor and say, I'm bringing you with me next time I go. Somebody say mentor. We want to mentor you. We have 101, a 101 and 201 book. 101, welcome to your new life. Leaders are ready to walk uh, through this book with you so you can be discipled and be all that God has called you to be. When you graduate 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to one day be a leader in the church. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. Where we want you to do evangelism, go street witnessing. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we have a team of awesome men and women of God who are hitting the streets, preaching the gospel to the lost, to the people that they don't even know, complete strangers. And we are mandated to do that. The Bible says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. And so if you want to be trained to be a soul winner, this is your time to be trained. And so we really want to encourage you, if you've never done it, to do it. And if you have visited a couple times, keep on going and make it a regular thing in your life. Amen? So in a recap, somebody say recap. We have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people. A strategy to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. And a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Woohoo! Who's excited to give the Lord their tithes and offerings today? Here at MPI, we believe the tithe. We believe in an offering. Tithe is 10% of your total income given to the Lord faithfully. And so if we, we 10% is basically if you have $100, you give how much? Ten, $10 is 10% of 100 And if you have $1,000, $100. And so we want to be faithful with that because God has been good to us. We want to make sure we're faithful. And we're going to learn about that in just a second. And then we believe in an offering. An offering is an amount that you give to the Lord above the tithe. And that amount is between you and Jesus. The, all that God asks is you give cheerfully and generously. And we designate our offering towards missions and towards building. And God's doing awesome things. We have more announcements for you next week with our building fund and what God has done and what God is doing through your generosity. And we love missions. So let's get into our lesson today. In the Disciples Giving book, we're on section two, lesson four. The tithe is relevant for today. Definition, the tithe is 10% of our total income. Am I in the right place? No, I'm not. I'm in the wrong place. I have to read up there. I, I'm on section one on my phone. So the off, can I go up and read the title again? Lesson four. What do you guys have on section two here? Yes, I have it wrong. Keep going. Offering, lesson four in section two. I was on section one on my phone. Offerings are like seeds planted for a harvest. How many of you guys want to reap a harvest? Come on, keep scrolling down for me. I'm going to read the definition. The offering is a gift to God after our tithe. And here's a scripture for today. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So let's get into the main points. Number one, sow seed. The biblical word sow means to plant. Somebody say plant. Therefore, Paul in the above passage is comparing one's offering to seeds that are planted to grow and be harvested. For example, when a farmer plants or sows corn seeds into the ground, he does so because he wants to reap a harvest of corn. Amen? 
You guys get it? And it's the same thing with our tithe and offering. We are sowing into good ground, into the ground that God wants us to reap a harvest from. Number two, sow sparingly. If a farmer only planted a few seeds in the ground, he would only expect to reap a small harvest. In the same way, Paul teaches us that if we give sparingly, little here, little bit there, if we give sparingly to God in our offerings, we will only reap sparingly from his provision. And it's, a, it's the same principle. If a farmer only sows and plants a few, you know, vegetable seeds, what do you think it's gonna, he's going to reap when it comes harvest time? And it's the same thing in our life when it comes to our relationship with God and faithfulness and our finances. And number three, say, sow generously. If a farmer plants many seeds, he will reap a large harvest. As a result, when we give generously to God, we can expect to reap God's generous blessings. Remember, the Holy Spirit, according to each person's ability and resources, determines generosity in God's kingdom. So that requires us to be uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, in tune with him, in relationship with him, and really walk in obedience. Here's a summary. Your seed planted in offerings will determine your harvest reaped in God's blessings. Who wants blessings from the Lord to be multiplied in their life? Application, number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, give generous offerings to God. And number three, prayerfully expect God to bless you, to bless you generously. Let's confess this on the count of three, especially if you want to reap a good harvest. Let's confess this over our life. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Please stand up with me this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our best. Our tithes and our offerings. Again, a tithe is 10% of our total income. We designate offerings towards missions and building. And just a quick reminder, on the envelope we have it designated. Uh, just put a specific amount where you want your monies to go so that we could allocate them in the proper funds. Here are four ways that you could give here at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Griselda for that if you have any questions. Uh, and number four, online using Chase QuickPay, PayPal, or BillPay at MPI Church forward slash giving. Come on. Let's recite this together. Philippians 4.18, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your bountiful blessings. God, we want to be a people that sow generously so that we can reap a harvest, God, of generosity. I ask, oh Lord, that you would continue, Lord, to put in our heart a spirit of generosity and cheerful giving, that we would remain faithful with the tithe and faithful with the offering as it overflows from a heart of gratitude, a heart of love for you and the kingdom of God. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver. I pray that you meet the needs of your people, open doors of employment, bless them, prosper them, give them increase, raises, and promotions. God, as they put you first, let the favor of the Lord rest upon them, and may it be evident to everybody around, uh, around their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Please come forward as you give, and we thank you so much for your generosity.
Are you ready for the word? Somebody say, I'm ready. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Somebody say, bring it, bring it. Let me get a whoop, whoop. Come on, open up your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. I'm so happy everybody's here. We are excited. Don't let this weather bring you down, Chicagoans. Come on. We can push through. We can push through. Some of y'all came in here quiet, little tear coming down your eye, your little bottom lip quivering. I know you're sad. I feel it too, but we got to pump up the energy for Jesus. Amen. The sun is always shining in the house of God. And if you got Jesus in your heart, Jesus is always shining right. Cheer, baby. So put a big smile on your face. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to be all right. The sun going to come out tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. Okay, open up your Bible. Second Peter chapter 1. MPIChurch.org for your notes. If you want to follow along or Facebook, look up MPI or Metro Praise International. You'll see where we're uh, cooking with gas today. We are in a sermon series after Easter talking about spiritual growth. Everybody say spiritual growth. And uh, it's just been amazing. I've been having such a great time talking about it. And uh, today we're going to talk about renewal and transformation. So whether you're a visitor or you've been with us the whole series, you're going to get something out of today, renewal and transformation, really just focusing on the thought life and our behaviors. And so open up to 2 Peter chapter 1, always on the screen for you as well. And let's look to the series text here because Peter really teaches us how we should look at spiritual growth. And what I love about when you come to MPI Church is that you hear this week after week after week. So think about it. Even if you don't remember any of the things I teach during a sermon series, you will have heard the series text somewhere around eight to ten times. And how many know the Word of God endures forever? Amen? So if you learn this Word, if you learn it, you have done yourself a favor. I'm telling you that right now. Because it doesn't matter what this world says, the Word of God is true. And it should be a language lamp unto your feet, giving you light and guidance, and it should be a foundation on which you build your life. Can I get an amen for the word of God? Amen. Here's Peter, chapter 2, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 of 2 Peter. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And as we've gone over it in weeks past, let's go over it again. Simon Peter, that famous apostle of Jesus who did not give up. What was the difference between Judas and 
and Peter. Peter and Judas both denied Jesus, but Peter didn't quit. Judas hung himself. So no matter what you're going through today, learn from Peter. Don't quit. Your failure is not final. God can still use you. Peter ended up becoming a great apostle. Let that encourage you today, no matter what you're going through. And then we see that through the righteousness of our God and Savior, we have received a faith as precious as Peter's. That means whatever God did through faith in Peter's life, God can do through us by faith in our lives. God asked Peter to walk on water, and he was able to do it by faith. If God asks you to do something that seems impossible, how will you do it? You'll do it by faith, and you have it because God gave it to you because he's righteous. And here we see that Jesus is God and Savior. He is not just a good man dying for a good cause. He is God in the flesh, the Savior of the whole world. Amen? Muhammad's still in the grave. Buddha's still in the grave. Bodies already turned to dust. Jesus rose on the third day, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And what did he say? I'll be back. Amen? Come on. That's my Jesus. Grace and peace means that all the grace you will ever need for the forgiveness of sins and the favor of God is upon you. And peace, irene in the Greek, tranquil, at peace with God, at peace with your neighbor. And the Bible even says you have so much peace, you can be a peacemaker. How many believe the world needs some peacemakers? Jesus taught in the Beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called sons of God. So don't make trouble, make peace. Look at your neighbor and nudge them and say, that was really for you. That was really for you. Don't you be no troublemaker. You better be making peace, neighbor. Come on, I got some husbands and wives about ready to get it on right now. The wife was like, don't you dare touch me and say that. No, that's okay. That's okay. You can do it in church. Mama will, mama will get over it. But look at this, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. How many of you have been here in weeks prior have heard me explain this scripture and honestly you'll never look at it the same again. Can I get an amen? I mean I, am I doing a good job as a pastor? I'm not just trying to pat myself on the back though it's good every now and then. But I want to be honest with you. I, I mean, this scripture changed my life when I was a new believer. I hope that some of these nuggies have changed yours. Here they are in review. His divine power has already given you everything you need for a godly life. All of us here should want a desi should desire to want to be godly. So take, for example, you're married. You have everything you need to be a godly husband. God already gave it to you at salvation, a godly wife. God's already given to you. You have the resource within you. That's why those scriptures come out that say you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Or another one, greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. Because his divine power has given you everything. Every young person here, you have divine power power on the inside of you to be a pure and holy young adult. Can I get an amen? How many want to see pure young people? We've seen enough of the wiling out, the Jersey Shore. We need to see the Chicago for Jesus crew get turned up. Amen. Do you know that the youth group had a, had a special outreach Friday? It was called E-Lit, like getting lit up for Jesus. They had 63 teenagers this past Friday. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Everything. When we learn it, no matter what age we are, young or old, when we learn that everything we need is in God by his divine power, all of our excuses evaporate. 
I can't say I don't know how to live for Jesus because God has given me the power to live for Jesus. I can't say I'm too weak by temptation and sin to live for Jesus. I can't say that my past is holding me back because I've been given, look at that, everything I need for a godly life. Somebody say, everything I need. Amen. He does that because of his own glory and goodness. God is glorious. God, like we saw in Revelation, shines brighter than the sun. And he's good. He has good plans for you and I. And that's why he wants you to live for him. And he gives you great and precious promises. Have you ever read the promises of the Bible and maybe thought to yourself, oh, I don't know, those things seem too good to be true? I know I have. But you know what? As I've read them and studied them and looked at other people's lives, I'm like, man, it may seem too good to be true, but God is better than I could even imagine. He is so good that he goes beyond my own imagination. And if he did it for these guys and these women and these young people, he'll do it for me, my children, and my wife. Have you ever heard about people in the Bible like David and, and uh, Daniel and these awesome men and women of God, Abraham? They were people just like us, had faith just like us, no difference, but they took God at his word. I want to ask you right now, you know, it's already coming into May. It's been a while since your New Year's re resolutions, but are you still holding on to the promises of God for 2016? Because you're supposed to be coming out crispy and clean, baby. You know what I mean? You're supposed to be living in the promises of God. Somebody probably read a promise around January and said, I'm going to lose some weight. And, and you looked in the Bible, you know, you had a goal of I'm going to lose some weight. And you read a promise in the Bible that said that, you know, spiritual discipline and physical discipline come from the Lord. And that he gives you a sound mind with self-control. Have you been tapping into that promise today? Have you been tapping into it? Come on, let's get real. You see, you can get self-controlled to keep your diet and your New Year's resolution all the way through May. Do you know that when I lost 60 pounds last year in 2015, I would blow people's minds because, you know, I would be out to eat and I would be getting a salad or something. And I would look at them like in June or July and I would say, I'm just keeping my New Year's resolution. And they're like, what? you doing what? Yeah, I made a resolution in January to lose 60 pounds and I'm still doing it. You see, you don't quit on God. You keep the promise because the promise will always come about. God promised me that one day I would have a wife, but I had to wait 10 long years after salvation. 10 years. I don't think anybody hears me up in this place. 10 years, a decade. Oh, but then when she came, it was pretty woman walking down the street, pretty woman like to me. And, dude, she was so on when one of our guys dropped the communion uh, tray. That's what it was, bong, back there in the back. And she was like, Opa, that's my Greek girl. You see, God kept his promise. He said that I would marry a woman of God, but I waited 10 years. See, quit your quits and live for Jesus and hold on to his promises. And it says, through those great precious promises, you will participate in the divine nature, escaping the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I call this dancing with the divine. Because of our mom and dad, all the way back to Adam and Eve, we're born naughty in nature. But because of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we're born again in the divine nature. So which one are you living in? Are you living in the flesh that came down from the curse of Adam and Eve with all of this temptation and crazy thoughts, thinking, thinking, with junk in the trunk? Or are you living in according to the divine nature? If you live according to the divine nature, you escape the corruption in this world. Listen to the Lord's prayer. Listen to this. Our Father, which art in heaven. Keep going with me. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us 
And as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now watch this right here. Lead us. But what? Deliver us from evil. For thine is the and the glory forever. See, Peter says you can escape the world. You can be delivered from temptation. How do you do it? By trusting in God's divine power, knowing his great and precious promises for your life, in participating with the divine nature. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, greater than your conscience, speaking to you and delivering you from the problems of this world. I believe it. Now look at this. For this very reason, we make every effort to add to our faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and godliness, mutual affection, and love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, everybody say increasing measure, they will keep you, thank you, from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. You see, there's seven qualities of our faith we should be increasing in. We've been given the faith, not by our own works, not by our own goodness, given faith as a gift. Remember it says in the first part here, it's given to us because of Jesus' righteousness. Because of what Jesus did, we received faith. It's up to you whether or not you keep the faith. Look at your neighbor and say, keep the faith. If you want to keep your faith, you need to keep faith growing. Exercising is another way to look at it. And how do you keep faith growing and exercising? You add to it goodness. You add to it knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and everybody say love. Now the Bible says if you keep these and you possess them and you increase in them, you'll never be ineffective. You won't be unproductive. So have you got stuck in your walk with God? It's because you've not done these things. If you are growing, it's because you're doing these things. Now here he says that there's a kind of a person that we call a backslider, and that is in verse 9, if someone forgets about these things and doesn't do them, they are literally forgetting, the Bible says, that they've been cleansed of their sin. They think, man, I'm not that bad. I don't need to do that stuff. That's for religious people. I'm a good person. I'll still go to heaven. And they forget that they're just a dirty, rotten sinner that Jesus said, I'll save your sorry behind and give you faith. You're not good without Jesus. You need Jesus' righteousness to give you faith, people. Amen? I need it. Anytime a pastor says, I don't need it anymore, get ready for a scandal. Hello? Anytime a government says, we don't need God anymore, get ready for craziness. Anytime co-workers say we don't need God, we don't need the Lord to bless us. Anytime an economy or the people making money saying, God, we don't trust, we trust in the dollar now, get ready to watch some crazy stuff happen. And have you been seeing some crazy stuff in this culture? People forgetting that they're sinners being cleansed of sin, and now they're just living out their sin with no shame. What used to make our grandparents blush a decade ago or just even, you know, a couple years ago is now being publicized as normal. May we go back to fearing God and keeping his commands, not forgetting that we were sinners saved by grace. Amen? Verse 10, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never what? Stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many want to pick up the phone when Jesus calls? 
So Jesus calls you up and says, I got a calling for you. You want to pick it up and be like, hello, Jesus, what's going on? And he's like, well, I've called you to be a man of God. Yes, sir, I'll do it. I've called you to be pure and holy. Yes, sir. You know, and then you want to say something like this, husbands, after God's talked to you. You want to say, now will you talk to my wife? Here she is. And then she's like, who is it? Oh, it's Jesus. Okay, hey, Jesus. Well, I want you to be a godly wife. I want you to be a godly mom. Yeah, uh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's how we live for Jesus. We make sure and confirm our calling and election because I believe Jesus elected me to be his son. I believe he elected you to be a son or daughter. How many believe Jesus picked you out and said, I want that one. I want that one. Amen. I want this one and that one and this one from every nation, tribe and, and tongue. He said he picked us, he called us, but it's up to us to confirm it. And be like, yep, I want the reservation. Put my name down, Jesus. I want to go to heaven. I run a rich welcome when I get there. I don't want you to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You're a worker of sin. You're a doer of evil. I want to get to heaven and him welcome me and say, well done, son. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome to the reward I prepared for you. Because how many know when Jesus went away, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. He says, there's many mansions up there, uh, homes with many rooms. He said, if that were not true, I would not tell you so. But he says, be of good cheer because I have overcome this world. No, this world, you may have trouble, but you're going to overcome it with me. I mean, Jesus promised us that he would give us strength in this world, but more than just that, a, a promise of an eternal kingdom to come. America's kingdom is going to end one day, isn't it? No matter who gets elected, the world's kingdoms will come and go, but Jesus will remain the same. Do you feel you get this passage? It's literally my fifth time going over it. How many of you feel you got it? Amen. I'm going to go over about ten more times because I think I'm going to preach this sermon series all throughout the summer. But now you understand what Peter was saying. In review, look at the passage in review. You have learned the Bible. And for some of you, you might think, oh, Pastor, that's a little repetitive. Let me give you a little church history. During the time when Peter was writing these letters to the places where he was pastoring, most people did not possess any other kind of Bible other than these letters. So imagine becoming a Christian because Peter came to your town, did a home Bible study. He told you the message of Jesus, and you go, I believe that. And he said, okay, we'll keep hanging out here because they're doing Bible studies. They would not have at that time a printed version of the Bible. Some of the books hadn't even been written yet. The Old Testament books, 39 books, were kept in the synagogues, sacred temples. Normal people were not walking around with these scriptures. Are you guys following me? So at the most, what you would have had, if you were in Peter's church at this literal time, it's probably just his first letter and his second letter. That's all you would have. And if you could read and write, you would have asked the pastor that was friends with Peter, like let's say I'm the guy that you're coming to, you would say, hey, Joe, can I copy down that letter so I can take home with me? And you would copy it down. And that's how the Bible got handed down. Now, some people say, well, did it get changed over time? No, there might have been a few variants or little grammatical issues. But as we have dug up manuscripts from all over the world, from places that people couldn't have doctored and changed, we line them up like a puzzle piece and go, wow, that's pretty amazing. Over 5,000 ancient manuscripts are in the museums. And there's no major contradiction on anything. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's the Bible. We're going to get into that hopefully next week as we learn spiritual disciplines. But here it is. Now think about this. You're in Peter's church. You don't have much. You've orally heard the gospel, but you don't have like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. By the way, Mark is written by Peter to his boy Mark. That's, his, that's like his, his man. He's using Mark to write it down, but it's really Peter's story. But you may have Mark. You may not, depending on when it was written compared to this letter. But now Peter says to you, everybody check this out. Peter says, hey, hey, guys. 
you got faith as precious as me, I want to encourage you to live for Jesus and remember that he's your God and Savior and that he has given you grace and peace. He then says, you know what? You have been given the divine power of God to have everything you need to live a godly life. Don't be discouraged. And he's given you great and precious promises so that you can be reminded of them. And then know, know that you're participating in the divine nature. You're dancing with the divine. And then he goes, these are the seven things you want to grow in. You want to add to that faith that God's given you. You know, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Because if you have these things, you grow in these things, you're going to be effective. You're going to be productive. And you're not going to forget that you were forgiven of your sins. And you know what, brothers and sisters? God's called you and elected you to have a rich welcome into his kingdom. So if you do these things, you'll never stumble, and you'll get to be with him one day. Amen? Are you ready for today's message? Well, let's look to this chart up here because this is where I gave it to you, uh, what I gave you last week. And we talked about a, a lot of these inner parts, but I want to go through all of them today and then emphasize renewal and transformation. So once again, if you're new with us today, I want you to see this chart and understand that in the life that God has called us to live, the spiritual life, there's really three major parts that you need to know. Number one is the new man or new person. Everybody say new person. Thank you. The second thing is spiritual growth. Everybody say spiritual growth. Thank you. Then everybody say renewal and transformation. Thank you. Now think about it like this. When you're born again, the new man or new person is made like Christ in the divine nature. That doesn't mean you become God like you're all-knowing, all-powerful and everywhere. It just means you're like God in his character. You share in his attributes and morality, okay? And he does that when you're born again. And we're going to look at some of those scriptures. As a new person, God wants you to begin to know more about him. Because if you look at the passage here, and we'll look through some of this, the knowledge and the ideas of God are important for the believer to know to grow. So look at this in this passage here. If you see, we do it through knowledge of him here, and then knowledge of God up here, you know, and then down here at the end, he learns here that you make every effort to receive a rich welcome, and it has to do with knowing that you're called and elected. So the idea is knowledge is going to play a big role in this, like knowing that God is your Savior, knowing that he's given you a new nature and made you uh, great and precious promises, and knowing that you're called and elect. As you know, you're going to follow those commands to show it. Showing that you know God is an obedient life. It's keeping the commands. Jesus said like this, if you love me, keep my commands. So you're going to know God. You're going to know about him. And then you're going to show it by keeping his commands. And then you're going to grow. So growing doesn't happen accidentally. Growing happens naturally. It's not something you have to strain at and go, I'm going to grow today. I'm going to grow. No, but if you continue to know God more, you will show it by good behavior and and, and discipline, then you will grow. And then what will happen as a result of that is your mind will be renewed and your behavior will be transformed. You become a new man. You know more about God. You show it in a life of obedience, growing up spiritually. Your mind is renewed and your behavior is transformed. If you try to take these out of sequence, they will not work. If you say right now, I'm going to do mind renewal, cognitive retraining, going to therapy, that will only help you so much. And though those things can be beneficial, they will not grow you spiritually unless you become a new person, know God, and start obeying his commands. Knowing God and showing that you know 
know God is going to be key to the renewal of your life. Also, if you say, I want to transform my behavior, I want to stop getting mad all the time, I want to stop doing this, and you just try to do behavior modification, you're no different than a works-based religious person. You're no different than the one who lights candles and prays uh, to a saint, etc. You're no different than a person going to yoga, and it will only take you so far in behavior modification, but it truly will not transform you. Transformation of behavior will come as you're made a new person, know about God, show it, and then grow naturally. Then the mind transforms. Then the behavior transforms. And you'll see this all throughout Scripture. So, so often, many of us think, I'm going to change myself for Jesus. I'm going to change myself. You cannot change yourself for Jesus. You can do little modifications that maybe impress your friends and get you a, a selfie, a, a like from your selfie picture, but you will not do it biblically unless you follow this pattern. The pattern starts with a new person being born again. That means today, if you're not born again, and you would know if you were, if you're saying, I'm not sure if I was, let me tell you, I'm sure you're not, okay? Being born again is a definitive uh, experience in your life. You start there, and then you start to know, show, and grow. Know, show, and grow, and then naturally what happens is renewal and transformation. Can I hear an amen? So I want to show you this actually in my introduction right up here. I want you to see that we get it wrong oftentimes when we think about renewal and transformation. Oftentimes when Christians think about changing their thinking and acting differently, they think of being in a continual struggle against their flesh. However, Jesus taught that the growing Christian would naturally bear good fruit because they're renewed in their mind and transformed in their behavior by the Spirit, abiding in the vine. How many remember the series we did, Abide? And it talks about being grafted into the vine. Now we're a branch, and the branch naturally grows fruit and beautiful things. Why? Because it's engrafted into Jesus. So we don't put the cart before the horse and say, I'm going to change my mind, change my behavior, and then do that Jesus stuff later. No, I do the Jesus stuff first, and then naturally my mind and behavior changes. Has anybody here really been saved and can testify to that? I did not change myself. Listen, I'm gonna, I don't want to get all of lost in my story here today, but I do want to give you a lot of practical example. And I can, you know, I'm just going to talk about me here today so you, I'll make it practical. When I came to Jesus, I was a high school dropout on drugs, sleeping with girls I wasn't married to. At my mother's kitchen table, I asked Jesus into my heart. Okay, that's November 5th, 1995. November 6th, I did not make a list of 10 things I need to stop doing and 10 things I need to start doing. But I did, over the next few months, never do drugs again, never get drunk again, never have sex again, never fight again, never curse again. Are you listening? Dramatic changes happen. But was it because I made a list and said this, that, no, no. What I did was spent time with Jesus, read the Bible, got to know him more. And then as I got to know him more, I wanted to show him more. And then as I knowed him more and shown him more, I began to grow more. And then as I was growing spiritually, my mind started changing. And then my behavior started changing. But it was because of what God was doing on the inside. So instead of focusing on cognitive retraining, which is very popular in this culture right now, or behavior modification, the believer should focus on their new inner man, growing and keeping in step with the Spirit. 
This is like what Paul taught in Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So let's do an experiment. Let's walk by the Spirit right now in our hearts and let's see if this is true. Take the example, if I'm full on something good, I can't be hungry for something bad. If I'm full on mama's lasagna, I can't be hungry for french fries at McDonald's, right? If I'm walking with the spirit, I can't gratify the desires. I won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So let's do an experiment right now. Let's not sin in our thought life, but let us think of what is one of the most tempting things for us. Each one of us right now, download it, ding, what is it, right? Sexual perversion, wrath, anger. Bitterness, unforgiveness, right? Where, where is your temptation at? Okay, now watch this. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this scripture right here. You can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens you. Now think about that. Now, see if you can do this. Think about I can do all things through Christ while you're thinking about that temptation. Can you do it? It's impossible. You cannot focus on two things at one time. The moment you put your mind on this thing, your mind is off of that thing. The moment you say yes to this, you've said no to that. You cannot go in two directions at once. What the Bible is saying is that when you fill your heart with the Spirit and you focus on what He is saying, those other things by default fade into the background. So when I woke up as a young man, November 6th, I didn't think to myself, when am I going to have sex again? When am I going to go out and party again? No, I woke up going, I want to do what Jesus says. So let me know more about it. Let me show it. Okay, you go to church, you read your Bible. And as I began to do that, there was no room for me to go out and party with my friends. There was no more thought space for me to go out and do those things. And then behavior, there was no more desire, quick fix, because God was changing me. Now you may say, well, pastor, had you ever sinned? Yes. Guess what I did? I stopped thinking on the good, stopped focusing on God, and I turned my attention towards the flesh. But it wasn't like some major issue. It wasn't some, like some, some deep theological thing. No. I didn't fill myself on God's word, didn't pray with him, didn't hear his promises in my heart, and then all of a sudden now my spirit is hungry, and I have a choice to feed it the things of the flesh or the things of God. And I go, I don't want to do that now. It's easier to do this. And then I began, like some of you, as a Christian, having to repent of sins. And you see those sins continually come your way. And after a while, you start thinking to yourself, is this the way it's always going to be? Like I'm on some gerbil wheel or in some merry-go-round where it's like, I, I know the truth of God. I stumble and fall. I repent. I ask him to forgive me. Then I know the truth of God. Then I'll stumble and fall. No, you begin to realize that there is a path of holiness, not a circle of defeat. There is a path of victory. He said he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, not on a merry-go-round of defeat to sin. How many want to walk it with the Spirit? How many want to keep their mind flowing with the Spirit? If you do that, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. That's why we need to be renewed and transformed, and we can go from glory to glory. Now go back to this chart here, and i got a bunch of them to show to you today in a new one. And let's look at these scriptures, and we're going to end today by focusing on renewal and transformation. Are you guys ready? Okay, let's start with the new man, the believer's perfect spirit and purified soul given by the Holy Spirit at new birth. Let's go to these three scriptures. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13. We're going to go to the Bible. 
How many are ready to read the Bible today? You guys are going to have a lot of scriptures. Let me tell you that. I hope you like the Bible. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. To the church of the firstborn, somebody say, that's me. Whose names are written in heaven, somebody say, that's me. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Somebody say, that's me. See, isn't it all true? Are you in the right church? Are, is your name written in heaven? Well, then how was your spirit made when you were born again? You see, you were born first time in a naughty nature, born again in the divine nature. That's how he made your spirit. You may not always act like it. You may not always believe it. But, my friend, that is the truth. That is who God made you to be. Now, let's go to our next scripture because somebody says, well, pastor, I have a soul. Okay, well, let's see what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. What happened to our soul when we got born again? Talking about the new man. Now, you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. And let's go to a King James version, a little bit older. You'll see what yourselves is actually there in the Greek. Since you have purified your what? Your souls in obeying the truth. Let's say it again because I messed it up. Since you purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently from a pure heart. See, that's what was given to you at new birth. Having been what? Born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides in you forever. So go back to that chart. The new, the believer's perfect spirit, the new man is the believer's perfect spirit and purified soul given by the Holy Spirit at new birth. And you just read 1 Peter 1, 23. Because 23 comes after what? What comes before 23? Hello. So 22 said your soul was purified. 23 said it happened when you were born again. Now let's pause here and let's see if everybody gets this because it's more than just a cute little picture up here that your pastor spent time to do to make it really easy. It's more than that, though it's pretty awesome. The real question is here, do you believe that? Do you believe you are a new person? If you are not, you need to be born again. How is someone born again? Confessing their sins and confessing Jesus as Lord. That's it. By grace you will be saved. No good works of your own. No religious duties to have to perform first. Simply confess your sins. I'm a sinner. I have fallen short of your standard, God. And then confess Jesus is Lord. I believe you are the Lord of my life, dead, buried, and rose again for my salvation, ascended to heaven, coming back again to judge the world and bring your eternal kingdom. I believe that. I confess my sins, and I confess Jesus is Lord. Now, how many want to grow up? Amen. Come on, somebody say, I want to grow up before God throws up. Amen. So the spirit growing in the believer's faith, those 12 attributes will start to increase. You've already read them, right? We just read increase and add this to your faith. But Paul, and I always get these names mixed up, so be patient with me today. Peter and Paul, Peter and Paul. Peter gives you a list, but Paul gives you a list as well. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and you'll see Paul's list of what you grow up in as a Christian. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. How many have ever heard the fruit of the Spirit? Amen. In Peter's letter, he said these are the additions of faith coming by the Spirit. Paul says these are the fruit of the Spirit 
and they are very similar, but some are new. So I want to add them to our list. But the fruit of the Spirit, as let's read it together, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now look at this right here. Look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So yes, I was born again in my spirit perfect, but I still have an imperfect flesh. But how am I to count that flesh? I'm to count it and consider it crucified with its passions and desires. Doesn't that sound very similar to what Peter was saying before he listed out those attributes? He said that these things, that God has given us these wonderful things to participate in the divine nature, that we may what? Escape the corruption in the world caused by what? Well, where do those evil desires come from, according to uh, Peter, uh, Paul? Where do they come from? The flesh. So Peter and Paul are hitting on the same notes here. You live by the Spirit, you won't do what the flesh says. You add to your faith, you won't live in disbelief. Amen. So what do those things look like? Well, I made a new chart for you so that you'll understand. Knowing, growing, and uh, knowing, showing, and growing. So when I want to spiritually grow, I need to start by knowing. I need to know, as Peter said, that Jesus is God and Savior. How many believe that? I need to then share, know that I share in the divine nature. How many believe that? And then I need to believe that I can do these things, increase in these things, and do all that God commands. So let me ask it to you like this. You affirm whether or not you believe it with a big amen. Give me a little test right now. One, two, three. Amen. amen. Now don't say it if you don't mean it, right? Do you believe that Jesus is God and Savior? Do you believe you share in the divine nature of Christ? Do you believe that you can do all that God commanded you to do? Amen. Now you're ready to show it. Now you're ready to show it by demonstrating your obedience to Christ because faith without works is dead. So the faith that you have is an active and growing faith, not just a mental ascension to a belief. You're not just mentally ascending to say, well, I might believe there's aliens out there. No, you're saying, I know God is real. I know God has changed me, and I know I can do all that he said I can do. I'm ready to do all these wonderful things. Amen? And then you look through the Bible, and it's, you know, 20 years of experience here, studying many books and different authors. Here's about 12 major things that we, show, that we do to show that we love God. We don't do this to be saved. We don't do this to change ourselves because, remember, I'm changed at new birth. I'm not learning to become a better, I'm not trying to do this to become a better person. I'm doing this to learn to be the better person Jesus already made me to be. I'm not doing this to become godly. I'm doing this to learn to live godly. I was made godly, made a better person at rebirth. And growing is me now knowing and showing I am who God said I am. My son doesn't have to change his behavior to be a Wyrostic. He is already a Wyrostic, but he changes his behavior to line up to what a Wyrostic is. You know who you are first in identity, then you will grow up in maturity. Jesus was born perfect, was he not? But the Bible says he grew in stature among God and men. It means that we learn who we are in Christ and behave as such. So go back to this. What are basically those 12 things that we show our life by? And this is what I'll be getting into in the weeks ahead. Well, we read the Bible, because how else am I going to know more about God unless I read his word? I'm going to put my family in order, because I need to do the things that Christ wants me to do in my family. I need to start memorizing scripture. I need to start putting that in my heart. If I asked many of you, what's the record right now of the Cubs? You'd be like, boom, you'd give it to me. If I said, what's the record of the Sox? You would give it to me. If I said, give me three scriptures that get you out of depression, you wouldn't even know what to say. You'd be like, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. 
Does that work, Pastor? No, that ain't going to work. That ain't going to set you free from depression. That ain't going to put a pep in your step, turn your frown upside down. You need to get a scripture like, lo, I'm with you always until the end of the age. Amen. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hello. Memorize scripture. Soul journal. What do you think the Bible is most of the time? People writing from their soul what God is doing in their lives. Praying and worshiping. How many think that's important? Discipleship in Christ's likeness. Isn't that what Jesus told us to do? Live like him. Be disciples. Christian service. And the Bible says doing all things unto the Lord. And I was jogging today listening to Colossians where it says this. And I want to share this little revy with you. Some of you don't like your job because you don't see that God has you there for a purpose. There is oftentimes a purpose in the pain, and you need to start seeing Christ in the midst of the places you don't like to be because God can use that for your good and somebody else's good. So therefore, do all things as unto God. Serve God in your job in places that you don't necessarily prefer because God is doing something there. Amen? Public evangelism. How many think we should tell people about Jesus? That's pretty important. Uh, spiritual meditation, and I always say this, it's not the crooked chicken pose, mm, it's not yoga. Spiritual meditation is getting to a quiet place, quieting your heart and hearing the word of God. Psalms 1 says, the blessed man meditates on the word of the Lord day and night. He meditates on the word day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield its fruit in seasons, whose leaf does not wither. He prospers in all that he does. Think about that. In the scripture on meditation, it gives you something to meditate about. I'm a tree planted by the streams of water, bubbly little brook coming through. I'm thinking about the Holy Spirit. I'm growing my life. The leaves are coming forth, the job, my family, all these things. There's stresses in my life, but God is clipping them out and then I start to prosper that's Psalm chapter 1 that's not Buddhism chapter 2 whatever verse 3 that's not my opinion chapter 4 verse 1 that's Psalm chapter 1 are you listening financial stewardship if you let what's in your wallet control your heart you're going to go to hell don't do that Jesus said you can't serve two masters get serious about taking control of your wallet amen Christian fellowship, hang out with Christians and get involved in the church because Jesus said, I'm building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You want to invest in the number one commodity on this earth? Invest in people's lives because they last for eternity. Okay, so what do I do? I know who God is. I know that I am who he said I am. I believe that I can do all that he said I can do. Then I do those things. I may stumble and fall, but I'm in a place of continual uh, increase, a place of productivity, effectiveness. Now what happens? I grow in the things Peter told me to grow in and the things Paul told me to grow in. You add that list of 1 Peter together, those seven things, with the nine fruit of the Spirit, and you take out the doublies, you got 12 unique things that God says will grow in your life as you know and show, and it will go in a cycle. So what are you going to grow in? Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Can I hear an amen? And so look at it again. The new man, the new person is born perfect in their spirit by the grace of God, sanctified and purified in their soul. And they begin to know more about God and show it, and then they grow. What now is going to be the result of that? A renewed mind. How many want to get rid of stinking thinking? How many know? Let's just do a thought experiment right now. Everybody think about a red ball. Now I'm going to tell you to stop thinking about a red ball. You try right now to stop thinking about a red ball while I keep saying the word red ball. How well are you doing not thinking about a red ball as I keep talking about a red ball? It is so hard to make yourself stop thinking about something when you're thinking about it. That's not how it works. You don't tell yourself, I'm going to stop being angry. I'm going to stop being angry. That can make you frustrated and angry right there. Your kids come in your room, what do you want? 
sorry, Mom, I just want to know if I could eat something. Well, I'm thinking about not being angry anymore. Leave me alone. No, how do you think, how do you get rid of bad thoughts? Think about good thoughts. The good thoughts takes your focus off the bad thoughts. How do you do transformation of behavior? Do you just say, well, I'm going to stop, you know, doing this and stop doing that? You can do that for a while. You can make yourself what they call a self-made man or self-made success. But after a while, you'll see you're just a self-made mess. Because you won't be able to change the root causes of why you do those things. And so renewal and transformation is the after effect, is the glow, is the reflection of God that comes from a new inner man that is knowing, showing, and growing. Do you want to see that in the Bible? Go to, does anybody want to see it in the Bible? Maybe we should start from the very beginning. How many love Jesus? How many love the Bible? Can I show you some cool things in the Bible while we're here for a little bit? Okay, thank you. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Keep you up. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Now look at this. Look at how it works, okay? Look at how this works. And we'll go up just a few verses here to verse 9. Let's start in verse 9. See the process here. Old man taking on a new man, the new man living a certain way, and this pleasing God. See, it, it's, a, it's a divine exchange, and then there's a growing and a showing, and then there's these new thoughts and behaviors that follow. It's not the other way around. Look at how Paul talks about it. Colossians 3.9. Do not lie to each other. Okay, so there's a behavior change. Don't lie to each other. And that would go back to our list here. That would go back to our list of uh, number six, discipleship and Christ-likeness. So here, um, here we have Paul saying, do something to show that you really know God. But how does he get you to motivate you, to encourage you to do that? He says, don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have what put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator I mean, I mean i hate to be dramatic but that's just the way i am amen i'm just god made me this way i'm just naturally this way that is so mic drop, that is so pause, that is so everybody get this, let's do that before we go home type stuff. Because everybody here understands that they want to change stuff about themselves. Everybody here understands that you want to do something different. We all get it. The Bible gets it. But the Bible doesn't start with your behavior modification. The Bible doesn't start with the renewal of the mind because it knows that the fleshly carnal mind cannot please God and that your flesh cannot be successful in spiritual practices. Without Christ, it's impossible. It's impossible. Guys, can I just pause here and tell a few stories? I mean, I got so many more things to show you that just boom, boom, boom. It's like, take that, devil. You know, just loving you and hating the devil and tearing down bad thoughts. But listen to this. i got to pause right here because I want you all to get this. Rich man comes to Jesus, says, I'm a good person. I do, I do everything good. I keep the commands. I don't steal. I don't murder. I honor my father, my mother. And Jesus goes, well, you're missing one thing. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. Why does Jesus drop this bomb on him like this? Because Jesus is saying, you think you got it all together, but you don't even know what's really in your heart. I know what's in your heart. I know that you do all of this to impress people, and really you love money, and you pretend to put your family first. You pretend to say you're doing it for everybody else, but you just love money. 
So Jesus just calls him out, goes right to his heart. That's what only Jesus can do. Because if you were a friend of the rich man, you'd be like, that dude's awesome. That guy's, that guy's perfect, man. Look at look. I mean, you know, he may mess up sometimes, but he's a really good father. He keeps it, all of this and, you know, keeps commands. He does all this. You would think he's good. But Jesus goes beyond the behavior modification and the little words coming out of his mouth. God goes right to his heart and just goes, hey, you love money. Sell it and give it all away. Now, what does he do? Why, why does Jesus do that? Jesus wants to rock him to the core because he wants to show the man he can't save himself. He knows the man in his own effort cannot do that. He cannot trust God to the point of giving away all of his riches, right? So then he hangs his head low, and the Bible says he walks away sad. Now, the disciples come to Jesus, and they're freaked out. Because they're thinking all we're going to do here is be the next Oprah or the pre-Oprah Winfrey for the Roman Empire. We're just going to tell everybody how to be good people and how to have fun in life and, 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 and have the secret of success. And now all of a sudden, they're like, they're, their whole script is flipped. Because they're like, this is a good guy. This one was keeping commands. And you just gave him the most impossible thing to do. He's now leaving us. And you seem to be totally okay with it. Like that's just part of the plan and you're moving on down the road. And then Jesus gives this nuggie to them that we need to understand. He says, with man, this is impossible. Does everybody remember reading that? How many want to take my word? Do I have to go up there on the Bible? You want to take my word? He said, with man, this is impossible. But then he says, well, with God, it is possible. And he literally taught them the idea of salvation right there. You cannot save yourself. So all of you people here today that think, you know, somehow you're cooperating with God in salvation. You do 50%, he does 50 You got it totally wrong. If Jesus was here right now, he would look at your heart and say the exact same thing. You know, he, he, he would get right to, the, right to the point of it. And that's why we're learning in this, in this um, in the, you know, by, by way of this chart here, is that the new man is the source of life for all change and all new thoughts, all new behaviors. So if the man would have said like this, but I can't do that, would you help me? Because there's another story of a man that God says, I can do it. And he goes, man, I'm not sure if I can do it. Can you help me with my unbelief? And then God gives him the faith to believe. You see, there was an adulterous woman that was about ready to be stoned, and, and she didn't think she could change. But Jesus forgave her and then told her, go and sin no more because I got you. You see, there's, there's, there is a true change that happens in people's life when they believe in the Jesus of the Bible. It's not mind therapy or behavior modification. And look at how uh, um, Paul says it here. Look at it once again. Everybody see this with me, please. It says, you're not going to lie to each other. Why? Because you're just a good person and you could get away with it? No, because, uh, you know, because you just can't do it because how you were raised. You know, that's great. If, you know, I was raised not to lie, but that's not why I'm not going to lie. I'm going to not lie, and I'm going to have the power to never have to lie again, never under any circumstance, because I've taken off the old self with its practices. And I've put on a new self. And that new self is renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. How many want to live a new life? How many want to live like your creator? Get born again and grow up, amen? And it will happen. Let's go to the next scripture here, that our minds begin to change. How many want to see your mind change? Let's go to Ephesians 4. Now look at, once again, the pattern. This is Paul again. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, and look at the pattern. Same author as Colossians. Look at what he says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Does it say change yourself, renovate yourself? No. No, take the whole thing off. Throw it out. 
Count it as dead. Count it as crucified, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. How many know your brain and your flesh can come up with a lot of deceitful desires? How many know, men, you still got hormones on the inside of you? You've got to deal with those. Come on, ladies. How many know you still got eyes and you see them bags on for sale, coach bags at the mall? You still got the desires. Come on. Let's keep it real. And so your flesh can have all of these desires, but you are to take it off, not paint it up, not try to make yourself better. Take it off and to be made new, brand new. If Jesus says you can be made new, how new is that? How new is new? Come on, somebody. To be made new where? In the attitude of your? Okay, how am I made in the atti- new in the attitude of my mind? When I take off the old, in verse 24, put on the new self, how was the new self created? To be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Your new self is created like who? Who is it created like? Is God perfect or imperfect? Okay, so what are you, imperfect or imperfect in your spirit? Come on. And true what? Righteousness. Are you made unholy or holy in God's presence? Righteous or unrighteous? So how are you going to do those things? How are you going to live like God? Well, put on the new self created like God. How are you going to live righteous? Live through the righteousness of Christ. How are you going to be holy? Put on the holiness of Christ. You say, how do I put it on? It says it right here. Taking off and taking on is in accordance with what you have heard is the truth. You believe. It goes back, back to the things that we have said. Through my knowing, showing, and growing, the renewal and transformation happens. The more I know about the one I love, the more I'm going to show that I love them. And by doing that, I grow in my love. Can I make it plain to you? Come on, somebody say, make it plain. I love my wife. We are married, but we have to grow in our love. Love is not a stagnant thing. Love is a growing thing. It needs to stay live and fresh and active. It's like organic. It has to stay fresh. And so I need to daily learn her needs. When I know her needs and I truly love her, I will show that I love her by meeting those needs. And as I start showing her that I'm meeting those needs, I will grow in my love for her. That's why they say if you're going through a marital problem today, you start to do things for each other even if you don't feel like it. Go on a date. One of you cook for the other, clean for the wife, whatever, you know. You start to serve each other, and in the act of knowing what's important and showing that you take it important, you'll start to naturally grow in love for each other. The same thing is with raising our children. If my children know my heart, I will tell them how to show that they love me and appreciate all that I've done for them. So when they clean their room and do all of those things that they know I appreciate, when they show that they really love me, we grow in our love as mother, uh, son and daughter, son and uh, uh, father and son. Amen? Now go uh, to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. In closing. In closing, I've got a lot to share with you, but I think I can get it here in closing. Ten minutes. Be patient, please. Now, you guys, some of you have read this. It says right here, do not conform. Let's go up to uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? Living, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what do I do with my body? Put it on the altar, set it on fire, and let it sizzle for the glory of God. 
I don't let it control me. I give it to God as an offering. My spirit is willing. My flesh is weak. I say, not my will, but your will be done. My spirit controls my body. I make my body the slave of my spirit and soul. Amen? And I do that as an act of worship. So God is pleased every time you reject temptation and live for him. You are literally worshiping him more than just coming to church and singing a song. Now listen to this. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many want to live according to God's will? Not your will, but his will be done. How many want the good will of God? How many want the, to please God? How many want the perfect will of God? Now, anybody thinks that, well, I just kind of want the imperfect will of God because it's easier. I'll say that next time I'm doing a wedding ceremony, okay? Now, he's not going to be perfect about not cheating on you. I hope you're okay about that because he's taking the imperfect will of God. And we'll say that to your kids, too. They're not going to always take care of you. Sometimes they'll leave you alone. They'll be there 360 days out the year, but five days out the year, little toddler, they're just going to leave you five days out the year because they don't want the perfect will of God. I want the perfect will of God. Do I always do it? No, but that's why I repent and come back on track. Amen? I don't want to stay busted and disgusted. I want to live according to that plan. But listen to how it works. Some of us miss this here. How do I start being renewed and transformed? See, some of you want to do that to count your body as dead. No, first you count your body as dead, give it to God. You take on the new man, put off the old man, then you can do those things. But if you haven't been truly transformed, you can't change your thinking and transform your behavior. See, the transformation comes through the mind. That is true. But how does the mind get renewed? It gets renewed by offering your body as a living sacrifice in obedience. So some of you may say, I read the Bible. I don't feel anything. Read your Bible every day for 30 days straight, and I guarantee you, you will see changes in your behavior. If you're not, if you don't, if you're, if you're not seeing changes in your behavior, I would question if you're saved. Because a true born-again Christian will hear the shepherd and respond to his voice. As you start reading and knowing him more, you'll know how to respond to him in your everyday life. Amen? I mean, I don't even want to sit here and brag and boast, you know, make myself look so awesome. Because, you know what? I yelled at somebody this week, this past week. You know what I did? I, uh, I lost my temper in Guitar Center. It's a true story. Y'all laughing, but it's true. So we're spending a lot of money on all this stuff, and we got really great news to share with you guys next week. And uh, I have a, 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 what do you call it, an estimate of the guy who came in and, and said we're going to put speakers up here and all this. So I go to Guitar Center to check it out, but he's got these little mini Miles speakers. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We ain't getting these little, but they're so expensive, but they're mini, and I'm just, like, upset. And then what happened was, <coughs> excuse me, can I get some water in the back, Daryl, please? Thank you. Uh, what happened was, there was a gentleman helping me, and once he heard that I was being helped by a professional, he knew that now there was a, um, a conflict of interest. So he said, well, you already got your stuff. I'll be over here if you need anything, because I guess they work on commission. Well, see, that was another thing that really ticked me off, because I'm like, I don't care who I'm working for I want, or who's working with me. I want your, your little behind right here tweaking these little knobs, and I want to hear all these speakers. And I was so rude. I'm going to be honest with you. And then he got a little bit offended, and you would have thought the little bit of offense would have slowed me down. But the a little bit of fence got me like, uh-uh, you don't know who I am. And I mean, stuff was coming out of my mouth. I mean, I was just like, oh, God, have mercy. I'm going to, because even while I was saying it, I don't know if you've ever been there, you saying crazy stuff and you already know, I'm going to have to apologize for this. 
but you still saying it, you know what I'm saying? And it was just rude and all of this. And then I calmed down. He, he actually he, he was like, okay, I'm going to do it now. He got real and started doing stuff. And then, boom, the conviction of God set. You see, what happened was I let my flesh take over. I wasn't reflecting the glory of God. But here's the thing I want you to get. I know I can't get away with it. Some of y'all act like you don't know how to hear the voice of God. That's why I wonder if you're even saved. Because I'm no different than you. I'm made of flesh and blood. I'm telling you, man, I'm just a person like you. But I hear Jesus. I hear Jesus. And in my mind, I was, you know, I was like, well, Jesus, he at least deserved half of it. I'm a customer. We spending, we spending like 10 G's, man. I mean, this guy should be hop, skipping, and jumping. Hello, right? But, it, but God was like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. You may, you may be right, but you handled it wrong. And I had to repent to that guy in front of the other manager because the manager ended up coming around. I had to repent in front of Brandon. I came home, confessed it to my wife. And you see, this is what God is telling us. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. When you don't, your body will take over. Your body will take over. It would, boom. Your pastor, purified in his soul, perfect in his spirit, serving God 20 years, my flesh was ready to go at a drop of a hat. And I know that it was my choice. I know it was my choice. There, there was no doubt in my mind, the Holy Spirit. I could feel my blood pressure rising. I don't know if anybody's like, I'm kind of Italian, so I am already high blood pressure. But he was like, beep, beep, beep. You about ready to lose it. You better slow down. And I was like, shh, you be quiet. I'm going to handle my business. Beep, beep. And you can see my face getting red. The sweat starts coming down. And, man, I'm talking to this man like I'm preaching to you now, like full force, full throttle, full man-on-man action. And what would be my testimony if I then had to tell you, and then we got in a fight, and then the police came, and then my wife bailed me out of jail. I mean, come on. It can't, I mean, how far does it can you? Your flesh will take you all the way there. It will keep going and going, and you know, come on. So look at, the, look at how it works simply. It works through the new man, us believing that and knowing, showing, and growing and letting the natural process happen and keeping the flesh subdued by the Spirit of God. And that's, look at it now, Galatians chapter 5, again, Galatians chapter 5, teaching us that when you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How many believe that? There was, it, it, look, it, it's one of, and this is why I feel so bad, because I always tell the story about the pastor. He's yelling at the woman, that, you know, the, the airport. She messed up his flight. And then all of a sudden, you know, like one of the tellers comes over and goes like, Pastor, oh, that's you. You know, because he goes to a big church. He wouldn't, you know, he pastors a big church. He wouldn't have known everybody. And then instantly he changed. Instantly he changed. And it was like, my goodness, I couldn't imagine treating Christina like that or hose a little. But you see, when you're in the flesh, it doesn't matter. But you know what? You're bringing your testimony everywhere you go. And I had a, literally a Chicago for Jesus shirt on. So I was like, I was like, listen, listen, I was not walking by the Spirit. I was in my flesh. Please forgive me because that's not what Jesus stands for. And I would say he genuinely forgave me. Now it's up to him if he goes back and slanders me to all of his coworkers. I had some crazy pastor all up in my face yelling at me, telling me I need to twerk this and work this and do that. You know, oh, who does he think he is? That's why all pastors are jacked up. Well, that's up to him if he only remembers that part of the story. Because the other part of the story was that pastor humbly repented to him at least two or three times. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. I repented. 
I did. Don't you all be like, I ain't sure if you did that. Yeah, I did. I said, I'm sorry. So the renewal and transformation is by the Holy Spirit. Well, everything's by the Holy Spirit. So think of it like this. The new man is the Spirit saving and sanctifying. Spiritual growth is the Spirit growing in us. Renewal and transformation is the Spirit renewing and transforming us. So what does it look like over time? It looks like the new birth plus spiritual growth plus renewal and transformation equals reflecting the image of God. That's how I reflect God in this world. When I know that I'm born again, I'm growing in maturity, and the mind and behavior are following. You see, I want to reflect God in this world. I want to reflect God to my family. I'll tell you a good story. Most of them were bad stories today. Let me tell you a good story. So Hannah, my second oldest, uh, says to Nancy as we put her down a couple nights ago, she says, Dad is, Daddy is so happy. He's the nicest man I know. Something like that, right? Oh, goodest man, the goodest man. Now, you, you all have to understand this. You have to understand this. For the first 18 years of my life, I was a disobedient child. My mom tells me that I was getting spanked the moment that a person possibly could have gotten spanked, like two years old. I, and, and literally, I got spanked my whole entire time. I remember one time going in, because I went to a private school. I remember going one time to the principal, and, and, and he literally said to me, he said, this is going to make me feel good right now. He literally told, and then he spanked me. I mean, he was raw with it, too. And he said, literally, he said, I, I, I want to do this right now because you need this. That's what he told me. It's not going to hurt you more than it hurts me. He said, this is going to make me feel good right now. I don't remember the exact words, but he laid it on my behind. From when I started doing drugs and bad things from about 15 to 18, probably my parents can tell you maybe on one or two hands the amount of times they even saw me smile, even smile. I was so depressed. I was so angry. I was filled with just thoughts of selfishness. But now here, 20 years serving Christ, 11 years as a married man with four kids, fifth one on the way, and my daughter says it. It's like that to me is everything. The testimony of Christ is real. God transformed my life. He made me someone I never would have been on my own. And so look at it like this. It's not a progression of salvation. Remember, we're saved when we're saved. We're made new when we're made new. But where the growth process and the progression is at is how we reflect our new person, how we reflect what God did in us. Vinny, would you come, please? So new birth is made to be like Christ. Somebody say, I'm made to be like Christ. Spiritual growth is growing like Christ. And renewal and transformation is thinking and acting like Christ. That's reflecting the image of Christ in this world. And how did Paul say it in 2 Corinthians 3.18? But we all, with open faces beholding, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. It doesn't say from glory to gory. We shouldn't keep messing up, making excuses, and staying the same. My wife should be able to say, Joe reflects the image of God better today after 11 years of marriage than the day I met him. Hello? Shouldn't be getting worse. She should be able to say, Joe reflects the glory of God more after four kids than he has at one. 
the people in this church, and God is my witness, setting an example for you today. Berto and Jared and others should be able to say, Pastor reflects God's glory more in our meetings, in our times of frustration, in our times of stress, more today than he did when I first met him. Is that your story today? Is your story from glory to glory? Because if you see the glory in your story, you need to know that God loves you, God forgives you, and I've been there too. But listen, I don't want to stay there. I want to go from glory to glory. Listen, you all may not believe this, but I'm going to say this in closing as the band comes, please. Listen, I went home, I felt so convicted, but I wanted to know how God has grown in my life. So I asked my wife, I said, when was the last time you heard me yell like that? And she said, it had to be when we were at the other house. And that's when we lived on Newland. That's over three and a half years ago. Now, you may say, Pastor, no money's perfect. Well, listen, three and a half years, I didn't go off on somebody like that. If I can do it for three and a half years by God's strength, I want to go six years. That's how I quit smoking. I didn't say, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit smoking. No. New man, no grow, show. Mind change, behavior changes. God said, if I can do it one day, I'll do it for 365 days. Never smoked again. Not 12 steps, one step. Never did drugs again. Guess what? I don't ever want to yell like that again. The only time I want to yell is when I'm preaching at y'all. Amen? Having fun in the glory of God. But then I said to my wife, I said, praise God, three and a half years. Because you know what? Literally, some of you here, you can relate to this. Some of you, it's a daily thing. I was out at the park the other day. And I don't, I don't even know if I can do this without crying. But I was out at the park, and these kids weren't listening. And I'm just going to do this as an example, but it breaks my heart. And literally the dad goes, stop! What's wrong with you? Tears just wanted to come right down my eyes. I'm like, oh, my goodness, how can a man yell at his children like that? It's like, what is wrong with people? Hello, come on. I'm not trying to judge, but, I'm, but at the moment that I felt like that, that's why I want to cry is because God said, that's the kind of father you would have been without me. said to me because I used to yell at my mom like that I kicked holes in the wall I mean I'm just telling you my story you got your own story right but I want to take from glory to glory that's going to be my story I want my daughter to say dad is the nicest person I know 20 years from now I want them to I want that to be my testimony what do you want your testimony to be I want it to be the image of Christ in me that's why he died on the cross not just so my sins could be forgiven, I could be stamped and go to heaven. He did that so that I could be his son, so I could live like my daddy in heaven. I want the kind of life he died to give me. I mean, is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? Is what you're doing with eternity in mind? Glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord sets us free from the evil, the corruption of this world found right here in our flesh. That's the life Christ has for us. I want to give you these thoughts in closing. It's one thought, but I just want you to get it. Renewal and transformation come naturally by the Holy Spirit as the believer grows in the image of Christ. Would you close your eyes right now and look at your heart and see if you're born again? If you're not, would you do it right now? I went a little late today because it's the passion of my heart, friends. Don't be in a hurry, though. Come on, right now, search your heart. Are you born again? Are you a new creation? 
If not, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Confess your sins and confess them as Lord. Pray naturally. Pray as you would talk. Now, for those of you that would say, yes, I'm born again, I want to ask you, are you knowing, showing, and growing? What are the areas you need to know more, grow more, and show more? Come on. Because that will then bring about your transformation. That will then bring about your renewal. Start right now. What do you need to know more? Do you know God's word? Do you know who you are? Do you believe who he is? Are you showing it through the the Christian disciplines, the means of grace? Do you see love increasing, self-control increasing, perseverance increasing? If not, talk to him right now. And for those of you who would say, Pastor, you know, I'm really doing what the Lord has told me to do. I want you just right now to start praising him, just start worshiping him in your own words. We'll take a few minutes for all of us to pray. All of us, whether we're being born again, whether we're committing to a new season of growth, or whether we're just thanking him for what he's already been doing. A few moments right now to focus on what God has said. Because it's worth it. Your soul is worth care today. Do some soul care. Come on, your spirit is willing today. Though your flesh may be weak. God will give you energy. God will give you strength. He's put it on the inside of you. You have everything you need today. Don't give discouraged. Don't give up. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, we need you. A few more moments. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you, God. Look up here, please, before we go now. Here's how you can apply it. Somebody says, Pastor, I need to grow in my temperament. Okay, start with knowing. Know that God's your Savior. You are who God made you to to be, and you can do what he called you to do. Start reading scriptures. Do number one. You know, start reading scriptures. Start meditating and praying throughout the day. Do five. Do do nine. And watch what will begin to happen. You'll have number three on the growing in self-control. Let's say you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm struggling with my, my, my sexuality. Okay, do number six. Be discipled. Start going to accountability. Start having a one-on-one. Start practicing Christian fellowship. Learn how to have godly friends of the opposite sex. And then you'll begin to grow in your mutual affection and true love instead of lust. Let's say you're here today and you say, Pastor, my wife and I, we're fighting. We're going through problems together. Start memorizing the scriptures together. Start keeping journals together. Start serving each other, number seven. And you'll start to goodness and knowledge of who she is and you'll start to have your joy restored to your marriage again you see that's how you'll renew and transform your life growing is the center of what we're here to do growing stands between the renewing and the transforming of the new man it's what Christ asks us to do to participate with him in the divine nature and so today if you're serious about that would you stand to your feet and give Jesus a hand clap of praise because he made you to grow to be renewed and transformed come on we love you Lord altar workers would you come Let us close out in prayer, and then if you need extra prayer, come on up or want to hang out for the after party to worship, you can do so. Thank you for your patience. God, be with us as we go. May we know, show, and grow to be renewed and transformed from the new man. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on, give it up one more time. If you love Jesus, slap your neighbor high five and say it's time to be renewed.
It's time to be transformed. God bless you as you go. We're going to pray and worship. Feel free.